This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Five o'clock hour on a game day here on the Utah Jazz Radio Home, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone Thanks to PK and Jeff Miller for filling in earlier today. I'm Austin Horton. Going to take you up to 7 o'clock where it's pregame with uh, Scott Gerrard and Tim Lacombe and uh, then tip off at 8 o'clock with David Locke and Ron Boone. The Jazz have the Spurs tonight. Hey, by the way, uh, today is Monday. Sunday is Mother's Day. Yeah. Did you hear that? Sunday, this coming Sunday, six days including today from now, is Mother's Day. But don't don't freak out because Mickey Couture has you covered. May 9th, this Sunday, it is Mother's Day. Get the best blanket and gift ever for Mother's Day. Sandy and her staff, they do it right every year, and they're doing it again for our listeners, helping you get it right yourselves. 50% off right now. Yes, 5-0, 50% off when you mention Zone 50 at a store near you or online at MinkyCouture.com. Promo code ZONE50, Minky Couture for Mother's Day, Minky Couture. All right, speaking of it being a jazz game day, we had shoot-around earlier. The Jazz had Derek Favors meet with the media. I thought no better day than a game day to play from uh, everyone's fa- every fan favorite's player, or every fan's favorite player, uh, Derek Favors, talking about uh, the situation currently with the Jazz. So kind of a two-part question for you. Now that you guys are uh, down below 10 games remaining in the regular season, where do you kind of see yourselves at? Where do you feel like you've got you know, a few things that you still want to improve. And uh, part two would be what is different about this team? It, it, it seems like everyone we've talked to has said, you know, there's a different kind of feel and vibe about this team that gives them, you know, a little more confidence about uh, what you guys are capable of in the postseason. What do you think it is that, that has generated that? Um, well, for the first question, um, they went 10 games remaining. Um, I mean, we already know we're in the playoffs, but we're still not taking any game lightly. We still want to go out there and, and play good, play hard, and get a win. But, but we also want to um, just work on things, work on different defensive schemes, work on different offensive schemes, and just try to continue to get better in areas that we um, need to improve in before the playoffs, try to get guys in the rhythm, keep guys fresh, in shape, um, healthy, and just continue to get better before we reach the playoffs. So we're going to take these last remaining 10 games um, very seriously. I'm not trying to be funny saying that either. But uh, <laughs> just try to take um, advantage of it and just try to work on things that we need to work on. And uh, for the second part, I just got a group, uh, a group of guys who, you know, enjoy being on the court with each other and enjoy working hard, enjoy um, the camaraderie that we have in the locker room, um, especially with the, the protoc- protocols kind of – getting easier, um, you know, we can hang out with each other a lot more and kind of build that chemistry. And um, and I think guys on this team just want to win. We want to see each other do good, want to see each other be successful out there on the court and just try to win, just try to reach that goal that we all have, and that's to win the championship. All right, next question, Kristen Kenny, Jazz TV. Hey, babe, um, 
just what are some of those things that you talk about that you want to get better, the areas you want to improve in before the playoffs in particular? Um, I mean, there, there's a lot of areas. I mean, just little things like, you know, team rebounding, um, defensive schemes, um, communicating on the defensive end of the ball, um, getting a lot sharper on the offensive end, especially with Mike and Donovan out. It gives an opportunity for, for other guys to kind of play different roles and, you know, just get comfortable in different spots, guarding different positions, um, being in different positions offensively, whether it's handling the ball like Joe, initiating the offense, or, you know, being a shooter or being a slasher, whatever you want to call it. Um, I mean, just, just a lot of little things that especially on the, on the defensive end, just communicating, um, being able to team rebound, being able to defend as a team, being able to defend one-on-one um, -on -one too, and just trying to find ways just to get better before the playoffs. All right, Kristen, did you have a follow-up to that that you wanted to? Yeah, I was just going to ask too, you know, you guys have been the number one seed for the whole season. And, you know, unfortunately the, the injuries have come at, you know, this time, but do you guys, do you think about that? I mean, or is your mindset shifted more to the health or you still thinking about that seed? Um, I mean, you want to be smart about it. I mean, we play hard and work hard for the number one seed and, um, you know, Phoenix been playing great this year too. Um, so I don't want to put, we don't put too much pressure on it. You know, it would be nice to have the number one seed, but, um, I mean, once you get, once you reach the playoffs, I mean, none of that stuff matters except for, you know, like the home court advantage. But other than that, you know, everybody start off zero, zero, you got to go out there and, you know, be the team four times. So we don't try to put too much pressure on ourselves with that. We just try to focus on what we can control and that's, you know, just getting better with these last remaining 10 games. And if we finish with the one seed, great. If we finish with the second seed, you know, that's good too. Just got to um, get ready and prepare for whichever opponent we got coming up. All right. And next we have Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. Dave, when you left for a year and then came back, when, when you left, did you feel like, or when you came back, did you feel like Donovan was a better player than when you had left and, and you know, kind of notice, noticeably so? And if so, in kind of what ways was he a better player? Um, yeah, I noticed he was a better player. Um, one of the things I noticed was on, um, you know, coming off screens, picking rolls or whatever, he was looking to pass me the ball a little bit more <laughs> this time around than when I was here previously. So I was like, oh, you have gotten better. Um, no, I mean, just the way he could just take over the offense, um, create his own shot, get other teammates involved, um, and kind of be that closer in the fourth quarter or whenever we need a bucket, whether that's, you know, getting to the free throw line or, you know, making a play where you hit a, hit a three or get to the rim and, you know, finish the play or um, even communicating. He's gotten a lot better on the defensive end and just in the locker room and just around guys. I mean, he just became a, a, a much better, not just an offensive player, but a much better player in general as far as every aspect, scoring, passing, um, defending, doing the little small things, whether it's boxing out or, you know, talking on the switches, communicating with everybody on the court, in the locker room, in the huddles, talking, being communicated and getting guys going. So I think overall, he's been a, a much better player. He's improved a lot. Right. Next up, Naya Campbell. Um, hey, Faith. So with you guys seeing the Spurs tonight, it's your last kind of like mini series back to back. How do you think that has prepared you for the playoffs, um, having these mini series throughout the season? Um, 
it's just, it's prepared us, prepared us um, in a way that, you know, it's already hard enough to try to beat a team twice. If you, once you play them like, you know, in a three or four day span, you know, that's tough, but it also helps us out because once you play a team once, you kind of scout them and, and see what they do. And once you play them again, it kind of tests that scout that you did the first time and it forces you to try to improve and come up with different schemes and be creative with stuff. So it, it prepared us well. Um, but like I said, once you get in the playoffs, you got to, you know, be the team four times in a seven-game series. So it's, it's going to be tough, but uh, I think we're prepared for it. All right. And last question is a follow-up from Eric Weldon. Dave, I wanted to ask you something similar to what Andy asked you, but I wanted to ask you about uh, Rudy. You know, he's a guy who every time we talk to him says that he feels like he's just barely scratching the surface of what he's capable of. Where have you seen him kind of improve most this season? Um, with him, I see him improve a lot more. Um, communicating, the same with Don, but just communicating, talking more. Um, I mean, he's gotten better defensively as far as guarding on the perimeter. I know that was a big issue in the past, but being able to guard on the perimeter, um, I mean, we can't expect him to, you know, be able to guard a guard and, and, you know, lock him down. I mean, he's a seven foot one guy, you know, he's able to contain and, you know, force them to take a tough shot. He's, um, even on the offensive end, he's catching the ball a lot better than he did in the past, being strong with the ball and finishing. Um, I mean, he, he's gotten a lot better in, in a lot of areas of his game. Um, I mean, as far as like scratching the surface, yeah, he can, he can, he can get better. I'm pretty sure he wants to expand his game out to the, to the perimeter a little bit, being able to shoot jumpers and having post moves and stuff like that. So, um, you know, every day in practice, after practice, before practice, um, before games, he's always out there working on his jump shot, working on his post moves, just trying to get better. And um, I think, you know, he's still got a, another level he can reach offensively. And if he keep working hard like he's doing now, I think he'll be able to reach it. There you go. A few things from Derek Favors at today's shoot around. Uh, he talked about how Donovan is better since his last stint here and Rudy, which you just heard him talking about there. But two things really jumped out at me from Favors' availability today. One of them being something I hadn't really truly thought of before, and I think it would play more uh, to a younger, less experienced team. But this idea of these quote-unquote mini-series during this season, like the Jazz are going to have back-to-back games, not back-to-back days, but back-to-back games against the Spurs here. And you saw them do it here one game and at Minnesota the next. It's happened a lot to most of the league all season long with this strange uh, COVID-impacted schedule as they tried to fit in a a 72-game regular season. And he was asked about what does that do? Does that help at all set up the postseason? And he said, yeah, it does. Just the idea of getting to see a, a team once and then play them again in a, in a real recent or, or you know, a, a fast coming day, like to play a team twice in the same game today and Wednesday against the same opponent, you fill out a team the first game and then that second game, you have to react to what you saw and vice versa. They have to do the same. And that's how a playoff series goes. When you've got a seven-game series and you've got to win four times, you say in the regular season it's hard to beat a team 
twice or three times in the regular season, then you get into the playoffs and it's all you're seeing for seven games at the most is that same team. And you can't just roll the ball out and expect to play one style each game and and win each game unless you're like the Warriors of a few years ago or technically the, the Jazz and Bulls of the 90s, I suppose, that worked. But the days I think of doing one thing and one thing really well and getting away with it like the Jazz used to do. I think those days are gone in the NBA. Uh, Obviously, you have your game plan one, your game plan two, your game plan three, and then you've got your closers in each game. Uh, When you throw the game plan out and you just get away and let them do their thing and win or lose on a shot or two. That's the NBA playoffs for for the most part. And Favors talking about how it is somewhat of a benefit to have these mini-series in the regular season. It's not going to be an overly... Uh, helpful thing. It's not going to be a game changer for sure. But the real thing that jumped out to me from what Favors was talking about is that one seed and this chase for seeding in the NBA. As we come down the home stretch, the Jazz have eight games left in the regular season, starting with tonight's game at home against the Spurs. Uh, and the Suns have eight games left, and they're sitting one, and the Jazz are sitting two, and the Suns have the tiebreaker. That's why the Suns are in one, and the Jazz are in two with the same record right now. The Suns, I feel, it's my opinion, it's it's my uh, thought that that one seed matters more to the Phoenix Suns than to the Utah Jazz. And what that means, what I'm saying by that is that not that the Jazz don't care, not that the Jazz themselves don't think it matters, just that I think it impacts the chances of winning that first round and that second round greater for the Suns than it would for the Jazz. I think the Jazz are a deeper, more talented, more experienced team. And uh, all due respect to Monty Williams, who's a fantastic NBA coach and might win coach of the year. I take Quinn Snyder in 30 out of 30 head-to-head coach uh, matchups in this league. And maybe that's a little homerism of me. Maybe I'm way biased on that, but I think Quinn Snyder is the best coach in the NBA. Certainly the best coaching mind in the league. And so I give the nod to the Jazz when it comes to who's a better team, the Suns or the Jazz, and therefore I would think that the Suns really need that one seed. I think the Jazz, if the playoffs started right now, the Jazz obviously, as I mentioned, would be the second team. They would be playing the uh, winner of the 7-8 play-in game between Portland uh, and Memphis. So if if Portland beat Memphis in that one game, Jazz have a seven-game series with Portland as the two and seven. If uh, Memphis wins, then you got Memphis. But uh, that's a that's a better matchup than I think the Suns drawing the Warriors as the one eight. Now the the Warriors are not a great or deep team themselves, but they've got a preeminent talent in Steph Curry who can put guys like DeAndre Ayton on skates and make you pay for it. Similar to what Chris Paul can do to Biggs as well. So I feel like the one seed uh, is more important for the Suns' chances of advancing in the playoffs than it is to the Jazz. Then when we start talking about uh, crazy things like, do you game the system, quote-unquote? Do you try to lose a a game here or there as the seeding goes to try and hold on to a matchup that you like? There are some, like Jake Scott, who believe the Utah Jazz did that in trying to draw the Denver Nuggets last year in the playoffs. That, you know, in a weird way, backfired. They were up three games to one. It looked like that was the right move, and then things didn't turn out that way, and they lost in Game 7 as Mike Conley's three went wanting. 
I don't know if the Jazz did play that game. I don't know if they do play that game. I, I can tell you the the line that we would get if we were to ask some of them the question would be, "No, you don't. Ha- you can't worry about that. You can't play on that dangerous, slippery slope because where does it stop? Where does it end? How do you? You can't predict the future. You can't predict what a team is going to do. So if you intentionally lose a game tonight and then a team you thought was going to win doesn't, then what good did it do you? I don't know. I don't know about about all that." But the one thing that Derek Favors said that is absolutely 100% correct when it comes to this seeding race, be it the 1, the 2, the 3, the 8, 9, 10, the most important thing for the Utah Jazz, and really for any team, is to make sure the studs, the stars, the main guys are 100% healthy and ready to go when the playoffs begin. Does that mean that Donovan Mitchell misses the rest of the regular season? I don't know. Doesn't mean Mike Conley misses the rest of the regular. I don't know. But it also, but I do know what it means is it means you got to keep other guys healthy. You got to rest other guys when they need rest. I personally think Joe Ingles looks exhausted, and yet he still goes out there each and every game and, and, and plays incredibly well. I think the same for Rudy Gobert. I, th- I thought the whole team on Saturday looked like they were ready to, they were on the edge in that third quarter of getting blown away by the Toronto Raptors. That's how I felt. That's what I felt. That's how I thought it was going in that third quarter. And we went to break, and uh, I was talking to David Locke about that very thing, and then the Jazz came out and fought the rest of the way, and they got that hard-earned win. Now, PK earlier told me, if you want to pat him on the back for that, that's fine. You go ahead. He expects that, at the very least, is to play hard no matter what, no matter how tired you are, no matter how many games you've played in how many days. I think that he's right. But at the same time, these aren't robots out there. Yeah, they make millions of dollars. Yes, they have every affordable uh, or, or every right or excuse me, every opportunity afforded them for treatment and workouts and food and nutrition and the best coaching and the best recovery equipment and, and all on and on and on and on. The best uh, traveling accommodations you can dream of. But they're still human beings, high functioning, incredibly strong athlete human beings but human beings nonetheless. And when my quads are hurting, watching the Jazz run against the Raptors, and I'm not playing the games, you got to imagine how much their muscles are on fire. So I play a little more into that that was a more of an, an impressive win on Saturday uh, along those lines than maybe PK would. Gordy Chiesa was on earlier today, and he talked about the, uh, the idea of who's more important, who's more vital to their team's uh, hopes as far as uh, being healthy or not, LeBron James to the Lakers, Donovan Mitchell to the Jazz. Gordy Chiesa went with LeBron. The, without LeBron, the Lakers are not a good enough team to keep to keep going, whereas if the Jazz were missing just Donovan, the Jazz are deeper. Gordy said you can make a narrative, an argument that the Jazz have the best 1 through 10 uh, set in the NBA on the roster. I, I, the, I've not heard anyone else say that. I trust Gordy's judgment on that. Uh, definitely one through eight I could get behind and then listen to Gordy argue the nine and ten. He'd probably convince me. But he said Donovan uh, or LeBron is more vital, his health, to the Lakers than Donovan is to the Jazz. Chris Mannix then came on at the four o'clock hour for the NBA Daily Assist and said the opposite. He said that Donovan is more vital to the Jazz championship hopes than LeBron is to the Lakers. Where I fall on that is is a kind of a cop-out. Donovan is vital to the Jazz championship hopes, as is Mike Conley, as is Rudy Gobert, 
as is Jordan Clarkson, as is George Niang. Uh, These guys are the best team in the NBA this year for two reasons. One, they simply have played the very best basketball of anyone else in the league this season. Two, they've been able to do that because they've all been healthy. Now, as we run down the the regular season home stretch here, the health has reared its ugly head a little bit with Donovan's ankle and Mike Conley's hamstring. And you hope that you can just hold on to it being just that. You you hope that you can uh, rest guys at the right time, in the right moments, in the right games, yes, but also in the right moments of each game, and try to avoid other injuries so that you can get to the playoffs with a healthy Donovan, with a Mike Conley, and a full complement around them. Boyan Bogdanovich is hitting a stride right now that he hasn't had all season. He is averaging, in the five games without Donovan Mitchell, Boyan has averaged 23 points, three boards, two assists, and a steal. Also, six free throws a game, which is, which is huge. Uh, since he went 1 of 11 overall and 1 of 7 at Minnesota from three, Since then, he's gone 16 of 29 from the field for 55%, 9 of 22 from downtown for 41%, and he has scored 24, 22, and 34 points while shooting 57.8 effective field goal percentage. Boyan Bogdanovich talked about getting more touches on Saturday night and how that has helped him not only getting more touches, more, you know, a higher number of touches. But getting those sooner in the games, and he admitted that that has helped him. That has helped him find his rhythm faster in games and then settle in better and then finish games where he was finishing last season. That's without Donovan Mitchell. That's without Mike Conley. He then closed that comment by saying, but I absolutely hope that Donovan and Mike Conley get back as soon as they possibly can get back. So this is a guy in in Boyan Bogdanovich who you could argue is playing better with Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley on the bench, but I don't think that's genuine. I don't think that that's truly tied together. I think what you're getting, what you're seeing now, is Boyan is getting more minutes with Rudy Gobert while he's out on the court. I don't think that it's addition by subtracting Donovan and Mike. I think it's addition by adding Boyan, uh, Boyan's minutes with more Gobert minutes on the floor together. And then you factor in that he is further removed from his wrist injury, which I think bothered him greatly before the All-Star break, and he's getting more touches in these games. It all plays together. But a guy like Boyan Bogdanovich is very vital, obviously, to the Utah Jazz hopes of winning the West and eventually the NBA title. Uh, Donovan Mitchell, Boyan Bogdanovich, Jordan Clarkson, Mike Conley, Rudy Gobert, these are the guys that you, and Joe Ingles, you could throw in there too. These are the guys that you need to be fresh, to be springy, to be bouncy, to be uh, feeling really well rested and uh, finely tuned for those, that playoff run. And then it won't really make that big of a difference if you're the one seed or the four seed, honestly. You get the home court advantage. And the Jazz are opening it up more, and the state's opening it up more, and we heard the difference in this building Saturday with nearly 7,000 people on hand. You hope that that gets up to you know 50% capacity. Let's get to 10, 11, 12,000. Let's get all the way up to full capacity. Get your vaccines and get this thing taken care of so that edge can be in this building for the Jazz this playoff season. But I don't think that if the Jazz beat their heads in to get the one seed to make sure that they have home court advantage if they should come up against a team like a healthy Lakers, a healthy Clippers, 
I don't know that that's that worth it. To because the, then you might you will. I'm not saying might. I would bank on it. You would be sacrificing health to a star to try and get that one seed. Eight regular season games left. It starts tonight with the Spurs in this building. They'll play the Spurs again Wednesday. And caller 12 right now at 855-340-ZONE. 855-340-ZONE. Caller 12. You're getting two tickets to tonight's game between the Jazz and the Spurs right here at Vivint Arena. Coming up on the other side, we'll get into a little football. We'll hear from Aaron Roderick as well as Tanner Mangum talking about the uh, Jets and uh, uh, Zach Wilson, why or why that won't work, why that will or won't work uh, in the NFL. And we'll get back into the Jazz before we get into the 6 o'clock hour as well. I'm Austin Horton. In for Jake and Gordon, this is The Big Show. This is DJ and PK. In college at San Diego State, a guy texts in, my neighbors the U's thought about naming their son after Marshall Falk. Thought about it? Why didn't they do it? You're, you're not catching on, Dave. What's their last name? You're just oh, so Oh, yeah, you're right. Here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I was going for Marshall U. <laughs> no, no. Oh, I got it now. Sorry. My bad. <laughs> you're so freaking naive, Dave. This is why we love you. You're not exactly you. a street smart guy. <laughs> Marshall U's not that bad. No, no, no. I think it's more the last name. So you really name. like the Thunder and Herd, do you? Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 till 10 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. It's the big show in 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Big O brings you the big show every day. Big O tires, nose tires, and auto repair can be an unexpected expense. That's why they offer no credit needed financing with pay nothing today options. Big O tires, the team you trust. Lots of jazz talk today, and rightfully so, as they've got a home game tonight against the Spurs. 7 o'clock tip-off, 8 o'clock, or excuse me, 7 o'clock pregame, 8 o'clock tip-off right here uh, from the studios at Vivint Arena. I'm Austin Horton in for Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. Gordon will be back with us tomorrow. Jake Scott's uh, return is TBD, uh, TBA. He, uh, he and his wife welcomed a new child to their home, a beautiful, beautiful, perfect little girl, and uh, they've now got two princesses uh, under their wings there at the Scott household, and Jake is halfway to uh, matching Gordon's uh, uh, five girls that he and his wife had raised. So uh, Jake and Naz, congratulations to them, and excited to have another uh, kid here in the family at the Zone Sports Network. Let's focus, though, a little bit on the NFL draft that was, and then we'll move on from that. Uh, just putting a little recap on things, Zach Wilson goes number two overall to the New York Jets, and Aaron Roderick and Tanner Mangum both talked about the problems facing Zach Wilson as he goes from BYU and the fanfare of being the second overall pick to now a problematic franchise like the Jets? I don't know. That, that's, that, that is the million-dollar question, you know, because um, I, I felt like a big reason why he played so well last year was how much better the play around him was. Um, we, we were executing much better last year than we had in years prior. And it obviously it gave him a chance to look good. And I mean, he played great, but it's a lot easier to play well when you're running the ball and you got good receivers that never, you know, just everything. We were third year in the offense, and so those things go hand in hand for a quarterback for sure. And um, it looked to me like they did a good job in the draft. I, you know, I just have happened to see that 
that offensive lineman from USC. I've seen him play a lot. We played against them. Just knew of him from having a lot of close proximity to the Pac-12 and a lot of players in that league. And I think he's going to be a really good pro. That receiver they took from Ole Miss is really good. Love that guy. I've watched him a lot. Um, we've, we've watched a lot of Ole Miss film the last couple of years – or last year, uh, last couple of months, I should say. Um, they're good. That, that guy's really good. So – and then they finished the season strong last year. I think there's still some – there's a solid core there. I think the core is a little better than maybe maybe you think. Um, and then, the, you know, the new staff, you just hope they can get some momentum and put a good team around him. I know there will still be some pieces moving in here and there, but it's, it's hard to look good if you don't have a good team around you, and um, that is a tough place. It's, this, is a, this is a tough, tough assignment for sure. I'm, we're all really excited for him, but I'm very – realistic about the fact that he's up against the really really tough circumstances so one of the things we were discussing is the five guys drafted and seven free agent signings how much does it validate the 11 and one season because it was somewhat controversial because the schedule didn't include any of these power fives and all that we've been over that a million times so how much do you think this recent draft with the signings and drafts validates how good the team was last year yeah, I mean, I, I've kind of give, I've kind of like, uh, you know, I'm just over trying to validate. <laughs> With it's, it's hard to go 11 and one. It's I don't care who you play, it's hard. Uh, you look at all the years that, all the years that this market, this the fans in this market were watching WAC or or Mountain West football, right? That that went on for a long, long time. How many 11 and one teams were there in that his, in all those years? There there weren't very many, and and. Uh, so, um, for eleven and one or better, you know, not not very many times. And so, anyway, I'm I'm kind of done doing that. But I do. I was really happy for all those guys that got drafted, and and I think that uh, several of the free agents are going to have a great chance to make it. Uh, Matt Bushman, in general, or in specific, I think uh, Bushman had a really devastating injury last year and wasn't able to play. And I think that that injury is such a you know. It's, it, it's an Achilles injury that's more serious than like an ACL or something. And I think that, um, you know, people are a little hesitant on him, but he's going to the Raiders. And I don't know if you guys know, but John Gruden, coach Chad Lewis, he was his tight ends coach. He was actually his position coach with the Eagles. Uh, John Gruden also loved Doug Jolly, who had a great career with the Raiders. Um, I, I know that Gruden sort of has a soft spot for BYU tight ends. And um, I, I think Bushman's going to get a great opportunity there to make that team. And there's no doubt in my mind he's good enough. It's, it's, I don't know where his health is right now. I haven't seen him. I, he did pro day. He did most of the things on pro day and looked good to me. Um, but he's a guy that I think will make it in that league if, um, you know, if, if things go well for him. I, he's got a great chance. Wouldn't be surprised at all if he plays a long time. The NFL is a tough business, and it is very hard to turn a team around in a matter of one year. Uh, and I think they have – I mean, on paper, it's a good coaching staff. I, I would like to think that they know what they're doing. I liked their their pick at 14 after they picked Zach. They went and got Elijah Vera Tucker from USC, immediately addressing their offensive line needs, trying to protect Zach. Um and I and I, I like Mike Lafleur, the uh, the uh, OC that 
uh, came over with Coach Robert Solly from San Francisco. Uh, I like I like his scheme. It's, it's similar to what his brother Matt does with Green Bay, and similar to what they that Kyle similar to what Kyle Shanahan does in San Francisco with Jimmy. Um, you know, I, I like the scheme. I think it's a good fit for Zach. But uh, it's I mean, it's, I, I, I talked about earlier in the show. It's a tough division. Uh, he doesn't have the greatest weapons around him. I think they need to go out and get some some pass catchers for him, some playmakers. Uh, but there's a lot of holes in that Jet team. And, and so I, as hopeful as I want to be, you got to be realistic that it's tough. And, uh, and so I, I think there's potential for him to do really well. And you know, even if they win a few more games than last year, I think it's a success. I think if he can, you know, even get a 500 record would be amazing. But, you know, last year they were 2-14. and 14. So any type of improvement would be a step in the right direction. But also at the same time, I think there's, there's potential that it doesn't work out. And, you know, look what happened to Sam Darnold. There was all this hope for him that he would be able to turn around, but he didn't really get the help that he needed. And so even though he's, I think he's a good quarterback, he kind of got you know pushed out uh, because there wasn't the team wasn't having yeah. success. And so I hope it's not a repeat of that. But I, I think that this this coaching staff will put better pieces around him, support Zach, give him give him some some help, and allow him to to uh, to, to succeed. So we'll see. I, I look at it as a Joe Burrow situation, and it 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 was terrible what happened with Joe with Joe's injury, but. So last year, it's it's not like the Bengals all of a sudden became a contender and, and we're, all, we're all of a sudden a playoff team. But they showed enough flashes. Joe showed enough uh, talent and and uh, bright spots to show that he was worthy of the number one pick. He showed that he, what he was capable of. He showed that he was one of the one of the, you know one of the better quarterbacks. And so I think it's a similar deal with, with Zach. I don't expect them to all of a sudden become a contender. But if he can show flashes, if he can show some progress, then I think there's hope. Yeah, so there you go. Tanner Mangum uh, preceded by Aaron Roderick talking about the Jets and the fit for Zach Wilson. Uh, the, there's been some info brought forward about uh, the coach, uh, Saleh, uh, going from the 49ers to the Jets. Or Sala? Sala, sorry. <laughs> and uh, he's bringing a little bit of Kyle Shanahan with some BYU-like twists to that game plan. Now, it's the the LaFleur, uh, Mike LaFleur, LaFleur, the brother of uh, the Green Bay Packers head coach who's going to be the offensive coordinator, he had great uh, input on why the Jets wanted to take Zach Wilson. And I think that Joe G- Douglas, the GM there, uh, I, I broke it down last week, uh, he's, got a, he's got five years left on his uh, GM deal. The coach has six years left, obviously, with this coming up uh, being his first year. And this is their first year drafting together. That matters a lot because the old regimes with the, with the Jets was a GM uh, where a coach uh, was hired and then the GM was fired and then the coach was fired while the GM, new GM was kept. Then the GM was fired while a new coach was being brought in. They never really were on the same page together. It's not that indifferent. It's not that different from how the Jazz timeline went with Dennis Lindsay then hiring Quinn Snyder to replace Ty Corbin. It's not that different. Now, the, the, the biggest difference, the apples and oranges difference, is football and basketball, obviously. A 53-man roster versus a 12-15-man to roster. But can the Jets give enough time and help around Zach Wilson to get that franchise back on its feet in short enough order. Here's my here's my number one. I'm not concerned that Zach Wilson doesn't have the talent and tools to be a successful NFL quarterback. My concern is that he's not talented enough to only be the talent on that team. 
like you see with a Tom Brady goes to any team and boom wins. Like I think you would see with Aaron Rodgers, whichever team he plays for is going to Russell Wilson. I don't think he's on their level. He has flashes of each of their games, honestly, but he's not on their level. And that's not breaking news. That's not a hot take of any kind. But I think he's good enough that with enough time and help, the Jets can succeed with Zach Wilson as their starting quarterback. The time, I think, is harder than it is to get him the right help. Uh, Because I think with time, you can get the right help. But time is not – patience is not a known – uh, quality of sports fans, sports media, sports owners. Patience is not a, a common trait found amongst those uh, that I just listed. And so can Zach Wilson be given enough help in enough time, with enough time, then the Jets and he will succeed. If not, I'm afraid it might go kind of like John Beck's NFL career go, went, and that would be too bad. What I am, it's very exciting, though, to see – a guy go number two overall to see BYU's success, match that with the success lately of Utah in the pro ranks, and Utah is going to put a bunch of guys in the league after this coming season. It's very exciting to see a local product go number two overall and follow his career, no matter which college team you root for in that rivalry. It's pretty cool. All right, coming up next, speaking of Zach Wilson, there's one thing we haven't talked about today I want to give you a thought on. And get you ready for the 6 o'clock hours. The Jazz will host the Spurs. Stay tuned as well because uh, we're going to give away a four-pack to tonight's Jazz-Spurs game coming up on the other side here on The Zone. What do you want? You're locked on to the big show. Presented by Big O' Tires. Just doing it big, you know. Stop by your locally owned Big O' Tires for no credit needed financing. Big O' Tires. The team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Welcome back. It is the big show. Getting ready to wrap up the 5 o'clock hour here. We've had a lot of fun today. Our thanks to uh, Patrick Kinahan and Jeff Miller for co-hosting. Gordy Chiesa, Chris Mannix, and Josh Edwards for being guests. And I've had a bevy of producers behind the glass today with Brian Priest, Lloyd Cole, and Alex Lundberg filling in. Uh, You know, I don't know what that says about my... Uh, capabilities or talents as a producer that it takes three different guys to cover for me back there I think it more says about how sporadic I am as a host that it takes three producers that they they can only take so much of Austin Horton before they have to uh, tag tap out and get another guy in there so thanks to everybody for being part of the show today 855-340-ZONE 855-340-ZONE call in right now And uh, if you can tell Alex Lundberg, who's behind the glass right now, if you can answer this question, then you've got a four-pack of tickets to tonight's Jazz Spurs game. PK, myself, and Chris Mannix all said that this was the one thing standing between the Jazz and winning the West and maybe the title. We each said a different thing. If you can tell Alex what PK, myself, or Chris Mannix said – 
was the one thing between the Jazz and winning it all, you will go to tonight's game, 855-340-ZONE, a four-pack on the line. All right, uh, we uh, I know, we haven't talked about this today yet, and I, I apologize to Jeff Miller because I actually wanted to get his thoughts on this matter because he's a business owner and runs into this type of thing from time to time. I heard Scotty G talking with Hans Olsen on Wednesday, I want to say last week, about the idea that every year, be it the NBA, the NFL, high school recruiting, any, any kind of draft or signing situation, every time that happens, a few days later or a few hours later in some cases, one of these prospects' social media timelines pops up in the news. That when they were a young kid, they said something really, really, really stupid, and it pops up and haunts them as they turn pro. And, and that's not, you know, that's not always the case. In some cases, it pops up and it's relatively recently that they've said these things or done these things on social media. Uh, you remember the Jeremy Tunsil thing. That was, that was absurd. Yeah, the kid was smoking marijuana with a, a, a gas mask. But he was, that, that's not, it was breaking the law. But as we've seen, as time has gone along and evolved, that's not the most egregious of, of crimes anymore. And that video was so old Someone sent that out there just so that Tunsil would fall to them in the draft. I don't know if it was the team that drafted him. That I don't know. I don't know. But that was that was dirty pool is what that was. Well, we saw a similar thing pop up here. Not similar at all, really, but it's in the same category. As Zach Wilson, drafted second overall to the Jets, he, uh, he had some of his tweets. Actually, it wasn't even his tweets. Tweets that he had liked have popped up, and those tweets... Uh, that he liked were in support of Donald Trump's run to try and be uh, president for another term. Uh, I saw two of them, uh, and that's I, I rolled my eyes and thought, what a what a dumb story this is, because it's not tweets that he sent out disparaging somebody. It's not tweets that he used a slur in or a homophobic uh, phrase or or uh, tweeted out a, a link to some pornography. It wasn't that he was doing illicit drugs. It wasn't a, a screen grab of him breaking the law. It wasn't anything of this sort. It was simply, a, at the very least, a reflection of Zach Wilson's political leaning. And that should not be news to anybody. If you find out that a young guy in from Utah County, I guess he's technically from Salt Lake County, but Draper, played at BYU, his upbringing, you look at the number of people who supported Donald Trump in this state, that should not be news to anybody that Zach Wilson happened to like tweets endorsing Donald Trump to uh, win the presidency again. Now, this comes from a guy who is, <laughs> I consider myself, very middle when it, when it comes to politics, mostly because I think it's so overblown and overplayed that it's more about local stuff. But this is a sports station, so I'm not going to go political. But I, I am not a guy that voted for Donald Trump either time. I'll admit that. I don't, I don't, I'm not afraid of anything there. But I also am a guy that allows people to lean how they like to politically. Now, I'm not saying that if something comes out about Zach Wilson where he's uh, an alt-right, far-right guy, that I'm going to be like, ah, that's his right. I might have problems with that. But him simply liking tweets that were endorsing Donald Trump to win the presidency should not be uh, put in the same uh, uh, category as a Riley Cooper slur being shouted at a country music concert. 
should not be in the same category even as Jeremy Tunsil, as I mentioned earlier. And it shouldn't be in the same line. Uh, and I'm spacing the name of the guy who got drafted and when he was 11 had tweeted out the N-word. That is nowhere near these things. Just because Zach Wilson appears to have supported a guy that most of the state of New York did not support to be president, that should not be a story. But it is, just like Zach Wilson's mom is a story, just like they asked him about his mom over the weekend in New York, New York is a different beast. Everything you do or don't do in New York is recorded, is captured, is reported on. That's the gig. Is it right? Probably not. But that's the gig. And Zach, I think, has been coached to know that, to accept that, and to roll with that. He'll be asked about it. He'll be peppered about it. He's going to get hate on social media. He's going to get hate from fans in the stands. But if the kid wins, all that stuff melts away because it's not a, it's not a story who he likes for president. He, was not, uh, even, he wasn't even promoting Donald Trump. He was simply liking tweets that wanted Donald Trump to win the presidency I know a guy that I work that I worked with in the past who would use likes on Twitter simply as like a bookmark for things he'd want to go back and visit later in the show, uh, and that's, you know, that's we don't. I'm not saying that's what Zach was doing. I'm not saying he wasn't doing that. I'm just saying it's a non-story. Just because he voted or appears to wanted to appears to voted for a guy you didn't vote for, or didn't want to be president, does not mean that Zach Wilson's a bad person. All right, coming up next, uh, more of the big show. We'll get into the Jazz win against the Toronto Raptors and what it means going forward. We'll also get you ready for tonight's game against the San Antonio Spurs. This is the big show. a Monday game day edition of The Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jake Scott out on paternity leave. Congratulations. Gordon Monson has been out on far less honorable things. Uh, reasons, I should say, he'll make his triumphant return to the Valley. Or I guess he could technically have been staying in the Valley. I don't know where he went for sure. But he makes his triumphant return to the airwaves tomorrow. He and I will be hosting uh, together the rest of this week here on The Zone. So if you like me, congrats. I'm back the rest of the week. If you don't like me, uh, give me another chance, please. We can make th- we can work, baby. I-, I-, I, know, I know what I said upset you. I know I did wrong, and I'm sorry to have hurt you, but give me another chance, please. Please, oh, please, oh, please. Uh, it's been a long time since I was in the dating game. I don't know if that, that's, if that stuff flies anymore. But uh, swipe right. Is right the correct swipe? Swipe right on Austin Horton as a show host this week. I would d- definitely appreciate it. We'll be at the Dish Professionals tomorrow. Uh, big one tonight for the Utah Jazz. There's only big ones left. They uh, have eight games to go, five here at home, including tonight against the Spurs. When you look at the remaining strength of schedules we talked about earlier with Chris Mannix, uh, the Jazz sit at uh, 22nd in the league, meaning they have the eighth easiest remaining schedule. The Suns, who are tied for the, with the Jazz for the one seed, have uh, sit at, uh, well, why did it just, uh, 13th in the league. So they have the 13th hardest schedule remaining. They both have eight games left. That chase for the one seed is going to be fun to watch. What I'm also, what honestly, what I'm more interested in right now is to see what kind of Lakers team gets to the playoffs because they are falling apart. 
LeBron James left last night's game with uh, ankle problems after just two games back from his high ankle sprain. Uh, Dennis Schroeder has been put in the health and safety protocol for COVID complications. Whether or not he has COVID, it's not known, but he's in that protocol. And Anthony Davis has not looked anything like AD, the unibrow, since his return from uh, his injuries. That being said, if they hit the playoffs healthy, they would probably be everyone's pick to win the NBA title. So I'm interested to see what kind of Lakers team hits the the playoffs, especially with the Jazz in the two seed right now. They might fall to three. The Lakers then could find themselves matching up with Jazz in the first round, depending on how things go. So it's going to be a fascinating close to the regular season. Keep it right here on your exclusive home of the Utah Jazz, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Coming up next... Jazz pregame, gay night pregame show with Scott Gerard and Tim Lacombe. David Locke and Ron Boone have the call for you at 8 o'clock as we go on. It's been the big show. We'll be back tomorrow. This is The Zone.